Hey guys, I'm Kelly Wolf, and this is the Flow Podcast. I feel like I have to clear something up. So when people hear the word flow, they always ask me, is this a yoga class or just something that can happen when you're surfing? But this flow stands for finding love over worry. And this podcast is all about the ways that you can have more flow in your life. On the Flow Podcast, I'm going to share my wisdom as a coach, a writer, a speaker, and a mama. I want to give you all the goods so that you can start your flow journey today. All right, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Flow Podcast. Today's guest is something that I have been waiting for for a long time, and I'm going to say that primarily it is because we have such golden conversations. We were talking a couple of weeks ago, and I stopped her mid-sentence and said, stop it. You're coming coming on the podcast. Don't say anything else to me on this call because it's just just too good. I feel like we roll in the deep. I feel like we... We really get it. We get each other. So today I have Joanne Shell from Blueberry Nutrition. You guys have heard about Blueberry Nutrition because this has circled around Flowland for quite some time. And there's a reason for it because the things we're going to talk about today really align up with everything flow related. But Joanne is a multi-certified nutrition coach. She trained in the psychology of change and she, which is based in a motivational interviewing which by the way, this fascinates me. When you are interviewed by Joanne, when you are working with her, there's this flow to it. There's a technique. I'm going to have her talk about that in a minute. Um, She's been in the wellness and self-improvement science and community for years and years and years. She has an MPA from George Washington. She has her concentration was in behavioral dynamics. Did you know that Scott went to George Washington? I did. Okay. Joe's just a master. She's a master at what she does. And we're going to hear more about the journey. Okay. As you guys know, I have to give you, that was the Wikipedia bio. Joe, do you know what I do here? Yes, I do. Okay. So um, see, like everybody's like peeked behind the curtain. I'm well-versed. I know okay, exactly good. what's okay. going on. So I like to read the bio and then I like to give my bio. So my, my heart bio. Okay. I probably shouldn't comment on your physical appearance, but I have to, to say this part, Joe is a pocket person. So there's people in the world that you want to like pick up and you want to put them in your pocket. (laughs) She's like just the most beautiful, adorable person that I have ever seen. And she's all heart. Okay. This is an East coast gal. And I have a soft spot for East coasters because they have like they'll like jump out of their car and help you change a tire (laughs) and tell you how they feel about things. And they just come at you with such raw realness. I think Joe has that in spades. There's this incredible empathy, compassion, kindness, a desire to understand something on a deeper level. And then that's coupled with that kind of you know, Philly brawl. Does this resonate with you? Or are you just going like (laughs) she has lost her mind? No, it does. My family calls it my edge. Okay. So, so you've got this pocket person with this like giant heart. And then she's also like, I feel like you and me, I feel like if we were out in the town 20 years ago, we could have gotten scrappy with people. (laughs) Little, but fierce. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I am tiny, but mighty. You you don't (laughs) want to mess with Arkansas, Kelly. Okay. So we have Philly Joe, uh, also to be 
kind of Colorado, Joe. Are we switching up here? Soon soon to hopefully be full-time Colorado, Joe, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. You're based in both places. Okay. So today's conversation, we're just, we really want to have a conversation with you guys and kind of bring you into the fold of stuff that we already talk about all the time. But so I gave everybody your bio, but can you give us a tiny bit about what Blueberry Nutrition is about? Sure. So Blueberry Nutrition is essentially about releasing the struggle. That's my tagline. That's on everything that I talk about. And it's because, and we just had this conversation, our brains, especially as women, are overloaded with thoughts about how we look and what our body feels like and who's looking at our body and what it is compared to what we see on social media. And we could really just take over the world if we didn't have to think about that crap day in and day out. We could make space in our brains for bigger and better things. So that is like the underlying goal of Blueberry Nutrition. and. I have four very simple steps that I use with every client, even though every client is different. The first is getting a general knowledge about what it takes to get to certain levels of leanness. And I think a lot of people skip this step, and this is where they come into trouble because they think, oh, I want a six-pack. Well, if I told you to get a six-pack, you'd have to manipulate your water supply, and you could never go out to dinner, and you could never have a piece of your birthday cake of your kids. Like, you'd say, well, forget it. I don't really want to do that. But I think the media and diet culture makes it seem like that is so easy that that's what people want. So we have a very candid, crucial conversation about these are the trade-offs you're going to have to make to get to this level of leanness in your body. So once we do that, then we really talk about what those trade-offs are, right? So for me, I have a fried chicken sandwich every Thursday. Could I be a lot leaner if I did not order that chicken sandwich on Thursday? Hell yeah. But do I want to give it up? No. And I know that, right? So it's a conscious decision. I'm seeing the cause and effect and I'm okay with it. There's this like, there's this continuum, right? And on one side, we have our physical appearance. And on the other side, we have mental health. And it's not even so much physical appearance. It's like physical fitness, right? And so if you are too far away from physical fitness. You might not feel well. You might not sleep well. You might be tired all the time. But if you're pushing your body to get a six pack and be super lean, you also might be tired all the time. You also might not sleep well. You also might have you know some disordered eating. So there's a sweet spot for everybody and we need to work on finding out what that is. So that's where you get into deciding, yes, I want to give up you know, a couple nights out for dinner. No, I don't want to give up my nightly glass of wine. It's different for everyone, but you decide that. And then we like move forward with a realistic view about what's going to happen. And then the rest of it is really just about creating habits. So we have goals and then we have skills and practices and actions. And we kind of start at the top and move down to these daily little things. And we figure out how to fit them into your life in a way that's not disruptive, that doesn't have, you know, make you have to change your daily routine. We just try to slide them in on the sneaky and make that feel, you know, effortless, so to speak. So that's how we work. You said something that's so, when you said it, I went, oh my gosh. That idea that, somebody could say one a six pack or or whatever the physical manifestation is thing that you're, that you might be focused on. And that there's, I'm not saying that's a disorder, but there are, there's disordered thinking that goes along with it where we, I think as a culture, we praise that 
to such a high degree that we really do haven't we haven't thought or unpacked what is behind it. I mean, I have a uh, lucky to say that nobody in our house is super, super, well, I, I if, just let me pull my shirt up and you'll know the truth of the matter. Right but that's now. not the point. But <laughs> the point is there was a time, I don't remember what it was. Scott was shooting something and he basically needed to have this kind of, you know, insanely cut body. And he's, I think at the time was probably in his late forties and it consumed all of our time. It took all of our energy. It took all of our time. It regulated, you know, where we're going to go out to eat. Well, are they going to have X, Y, and Z because you're on such a regimented thing. So when we see something and we sort of, we sort of praise it and we go, Oh, I wish I could have that. There's a whole other side to it that nobody really talks about. We just think, Oh, that's such health, but is it really health? I mean, again, yeah, right. It's fascinating. I mean, again, there might be people who are naturally inclined to that. Absolutely. They're just genetics are different for everybody, but you cannot judge someone's health on their size. You just cannot. And even doctors tend to do that, right? Somebody in a larger body walks in and they immediately say, eat less, exercise more when they may be incredibly healthy. Like sumo wrestlers are actually incredibly metabolically healthy. And you wouldn't think that looking at them, right? And they actually might be healthier than some super lean woman with a ripped abs. Then you add on top of it, the filters on Instagram, right? Looking at all of the photo shoots for magazines. What's happening is that is a moment in time. Those people have probably withdrew water and not, and like dehydrated themselves to get their muscles to stick out. And there's like ways to sort of manipulate that in physical competitions and stuff. They're doing that for that one picture, all of that work, just like Scott was doing all of that work for that. It didn't stay that way. Right. Right. It's impermanent. And so, you know, look, my non-negotiables, they change from season to season. Like there's some times where I feel like putting the pedal to the metal and there's other times where I just don't. And that is completely fine. You know, if you came to me and you had medical issues, well, that's a different story, right? If we're trying to get you off some kind of medication or you're pre-diabetic or, you know, what have you, like that's a totally different situation than making these aesthetic choices. And usually the why is external. You'd say, you'd say typically if you get curious about somebody's why, where do you normally see it land? It's external, right? I I wish I looked better in these pants or my mother keeps telling me that I'm fat or I want to look like this particular person. And that's where it starts. And so what happens most of the time is people come to me with one goal and it inevitably shifts to something else something more wholesome, something more related to self-love and self-care. After a couple of weeks, they realize- what, what affects that? What happens? Where does that turn come? I think a lot of it is talking and um, kind of getting down to the bottom of their why and saying, is this working for you? Is this going to work for you? Are you doing this for yourself or are you doing it for somebody else? Because if you're doing it for somebody else, or for an expectation that needs to be met by the external world, you will never be motivated to actually change. The change doesn't come from that. The change comes from a place of body kindness and self-love. And so the first step is really working to get there and then saying, okay, so tell me what it is. And you know, eventually they'll say something like, well, I'm just really tired. 
Like, I'm just really tired and I'm, I'm tired and I can't play with my kids. And I'll say, well, how much do you eat during the day? Well, I don't eat much during the day, right? Like I don't eat much during the day. And then at dinner, I'm having, you know, my dinner and then I'm like snacking all night. And then I'm up till three o'clock in the morning. So I'm not getting sleep. I'm stressed out, right? Like I'm not, I don't take any time for myself. Those are really at the crux of a lot of the, the issues that I see. So, okay. I have a whole chapter in my book, which little plug, cause it's my podcast is coming out <laughs> the first week of December that I talk about, you know, I have munch move meditate. Yes, and so munch for me, because same, we've both been coaches. I cannot tell you how many times people are having things that are completely going off the rails and they didn't eat. I mean, even if they forget it, chicken sandwich, I don't care, cookie, pizza, McDonald's, they just didn't eat. They didn't eat at all. And so they can't focus. They are irritable. They are frustrated. And it sounds very simplistic, but it's pretty fascinating how often all of us, I'm guilty of this, where something goes on in the day, I get to a certain point and I'm like, I'm losing it. And I think back and I go, oh my God, I had that. I had my oatmeal in the morning and then something happened right throughout the day. And for me, and I don't know if you hear this a lot, I'll, if that's the cycle of that particular day, I snack a lot at night. Sure. What is so, that? That's, that's a, an absolute true truism, a hundred percent. So what happens is that your body hasn't gotten enough nourishing calories. It probably hasn't gotten enough protein. It probably hasn't gotten enough healthy fats. And actually, yes, ladies, like they might have not gotten enough carbs too. So if you're not getting enough true nutrients, what happens is that your body is chasing after the quickest energy source at the end of the day. Mm. So that ends up being junk, right? Like processed salt, sugar, fat food. You know you what mine is. Hit. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> you can say it. It's fine. Got the cookies. Yeah. Eliana <laughs> cookies, which is fine, right? Like, so I would say to you in that situation, if you're happy with how you're feeling and how you're looking and those cookies make you happy, go for it. If that's one of your non-negotiables, we're not even going to ever talk about it, right? But if you're feeling crappy about it, or you're not sleeping because you've had sugar before you go to bed, or you're upset because you're gaining weight and you quote unquote, don't know why, right? Maybe the cookies have something to do with it. And we can start examining that and talk about what's good about having the cookies, what's bad about having the cookies and not bad in a moral sense, but bad in terms of consequences and what you're actually getting out of the cookies. And is it the cookie itself or what the cookie represents? Before we get into the spiritual side, I have to ask this, and I'm going to give a massive trigger warning folks out there. So just put your seatbelt on. Cause I know this is going to like throw people off when people say I'm doing all the right things and not losing weight. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? I have so many people in my life and they'll say, I'm, I'm, I'm eating kale all day and I'm, you know, exercising and I'm doing all these things. What's happening there. Is it true that you, that, it, that, can not be food related? So absolutely. What I operate from is deep health. So that has to do with emotional relationships, your stress level, your sleep quality, your movement. So all of those things actually end up trumping what you eat to, to some degree. Okay. So I could be having a pretty pristine diet and not move the needle on the, on the scale at all. Absolutely. If I haven't aligned those other things. Okay. We got to talk about that. 
Yes. So if you are not sleeping well, which is a, a major phenomenon, right? Like nobody sleeps well anymore, especially with the advent of the iPhone. No one is sleeping anymore. So if you are not sleeping, that is prime fat burning time at night is, is when you are oxidizing most of your fat cells. Like that is when you burn fat. It's also when you sort of replenish your willpower. It's also when you store memories, it gives you the ability to make good decisions the next day. So, you know, you can quote unquote, say that you're doing everything right and eating, you know, what you determine to be a meal that's perfectly aligned with your goals. But if you're not sleeping well, or if you're super stressed, your cortisol levels will go up, which will also kind of add to the mix and make it even more impossible for you to, to lose the weight. So, you know, those aren't, um, sexy things to talk about. People want a meal plan. They want to say to me, Joe, just tell me to eat like four ounces of chicken and green beans and whatever. And I'll just do that. I'll do whatever you say and we'll move on. And this, what is our addiction with a meal plan? Where do you think that came from? I think people like black and white answers, me included. Right. And, um, that is, one of the, I think social media really did a big doozy with that one. Cause I think, you know, a lot of people are posting what they ate or what I ate in a day. That's like a really famous thing. But I think the, the gist of it is that we want a simple answer and we just want to sort of do what somebody else tells us. And in the beginning, that's very exciting. It feels like the first day of school, right? Like you're meeting with your new coach and you have your notebook and your special pen and you're like all ready to go. Um, but this guy, BJ Fogg, who wrote an amazing book called Tiny Habits that I use a lot, said that that kind of motivation is like a friend in Vegas who will stay up with you all night at the craps table and make you lose all your money. And then in the morning, when it's time for a ride to the airport, they disappear, right? So that motivation is great at the beginning and it's great when you're on a high. Seems fun. Right. And then when that kind of slips away, everything else falls to pieces and you don't feel like eating chicken breast for the 17th day in a row, right? So don't start anything that you don't want to do really for the rest of your life, right? You don't want to start these habits and say, well, this is only temporary. I'm going to do it for five minutes. You want to do things that feel good despite what your motivation level is. Well, and I guess that that's connected to all things, right? If we, if we can control the food then it's all going to be okay. And we don't have right. to talk about our emotions. Well, that's we the other part to talk it. about anything else in our life, right? right? We can just, we can have this thing and we can eat the thing and it can also be your fault, right? Cause if you tell me, and then I can put that over here on you. So it's kind of this combination of taking personal responsibility, but also maybe and tell me where I'm wrong, but be able to look a little bit deeper well, right. We talked about this. Like my my favorite clients and the ones who have the greatest success are really, really smart people who are willing to self-examine. Because if you're not willing to look at your own behaviors and what they're doing for you and how they're actually working for you in some way, what you're doing right now, then there's no way we can figure out how to get that same feeling without the food. When you just said the thing about the cookies and I made my big old uh, saucer eyes for me, and this, I hope this might resonate with other people when I eat that cookie and yes, I eat it in my bed. Yeah. Go ahead. Judge me. I don't really care. But I, Scott opened my bedside table and he's like, Oh my God. And he takes a picture and he's like, okay, in this bedside, table, 
I can't tell you all the things that were in it, but there were like cookies and chips. And, you know, it was literally like the, <laughs> it's just, I don't even know, but I think the cookie thing, it's like mine, you know, like it's this your is time. Yeah. This is it's my self-care. time. This is when I get the reward for all the things that I have done in the day. When right. I get the, th- when I get to treat myself, cause I've treated everybody else and I'm channeling my therapist here and you, okay, Kelly, then maybe you need to backtrack and decide when are you not taking care of yourself so that you don't get to that point of having to have the cookie to confirm that you get the reward. I mean, we're totally just Pavlov's dog in this game, are we Absolutely. not? Absolutely. And it becomes a habit. I actually just talked to a client today who had a really stressful week and she decided to go to an ice cream place and get an ice cream. And she said she ordered a size larger than she normally did. And literally with every spoonful, she was thinking, everyone at my job hates me. My kid hates me. Mm. I don't look good today. Mm. And it created this like negative thought spiral. And so she ate the entire thing, which is twice your feelings, literally. Exactly. So what I would say to her and what I did say and what I would say to you is that it's if you're having an issue with it, right? One where you don't like the consequences of what's happening. It's important to separate what you're getting from it with the food. So, you know, for this woman, she was saying that this represented her alone time, her reward time, a time where she disconnected. So we worked on other ways to disconnect, to have some me time, to feel like she was alone and had some peace that didn't involve food. And so, you know, the prescription for this week was if you're feeling crappy, do something else, but actually schedule a time where, you know, you'll feel better to have the ice cream. Look forward to it. So what? Have so it then you're having it consciously. Process. It's happening okay. consciously and it's happening happily. So you don't end up having that connection of misery, soothing misery with food. Why do the sugar and the naughty and you know the fried chicken sandwich and all those things, why are those kicking off something in our brain that feels more exciting than if I sat down and ate, you know, a container of kale? So there's a couple reasons for that. The first is that those foods are all truly genetically engineered to make us want more. That's that's one part of it. The combination of fat, sugar, and salt makes us want more. Messes with our hormones in our brains that tell us if we're hungry or not. Some of the foods are so easily digestible that we don't ever realize that we've actually eaten. They like melt on our tongue. And the more time food spends in your mouth, the more time you spend chewing, the more signals go to your brain that said, hey, you're getting some nourishment. On top of that, and this is a really weird thing, but like if you look at Pringles, for example, there's actually like a a meatiness component to them, which sounds gross. Like I don't think Pringles have meat, but they have this texture and this chemical in them that evokes meatiness. And some researchers think that your body then expects to get protein. And when it gets dehydrated potato starch, then it starts manically searching for protein. So we actually end up in this spiral where we continually eat. But having said that, there's a really interesting study that was done a long time ago where they gave one group of people a really delicious chocolate milkshake that had zero nutrients in it. And then they gave the other group a tasteless shake 
that has tons of nutrients in it, right? So there's these two groups. The first that got the chocolate noticed a real spike in dopamine as soon as it hit their lips. They were like super happy about it. And then it dipped right off really severely. Quickly. Yeah, really quickly. The group with the tasteless shake waited 20 minutes and noticed dopamine happening, right? They did get a dopamine spike, but it was much more level. And it Mm. came from feelings of being satiated and feelings of nourishment. So we actually do get like a dopamine spike when we eat good food. It's just more sustained and it's not as severe. Yeah. It's less exciting. It's not sexy. It's less exciting. Right. And so most of the time, like going back to what you said before about not eating, if we haven't eaten all day, what we're going for is that instant spike, that instant idea that we're going to be nourished, which is the junk. So that's where all that comes. And to your point, when it's melting on your tongue and that lack of chewing, like in my world, if I get to sit down and eat this box of chocolates and then I look up and I'm like, how did I just have seven of those? Right. I mean, they're very rich. Like, honestly, how did I have seven of those? Because my, my brain's not getting the message. And then when it finally catches up, I feel a little nauseous, right? Cause it's kind of on a slow cycle like that. Beyond nauseous. Yeah. So this salty, say it again, salty, sweet salt, acid fat, and sugar. Okay. Salt, fat, and sugar. Right. Again, which, this is, which is be- interesting because most people say it's carbs. Carbs are so bad. It's really not carbs, right? Sweet potatoes aren't bad. Whole grain bread isn't bad, right? Potatoes aren't bad. Like it's not, it's not that it's the salt, fat, and the sugar combination that combination. Now I know, I know that blueberry nutrition's philosophy is because we, because you and I've worked together, go ahead and have the cookie Kelly. It is okay. Like we're going to weigh a lot of different things. So this is not black and white. Do not take this as black and white, but in right. a perfect world, it, it, would it be wise to avoid those things? I don't think so. I think food is so much more than fuel. It's joy, it's comfort, it's family, it's culture. And so we want to be able to enjoy those things, but we want to be able to enjoy them in a conscious way. It's really interesting to me how the things that we enjoy the taste of the most, like potato chips or chocolate, we eat the most quickly and pay the least attention to, right? Those are the things that we crave. We should actually be really paying attention to the taste of those things and taking a pause between each bite and really savoring it. So as long as you're not in a situation where it's what I would call a red light food. So for me, donuts, right? If my mother brings donuts, Enemans donuts to the shore and she leaves them out on the counter, Joe will eat all 12 donuts in about five minutes, right? So we know not to bring Entenmann's donuts into the house. But when I go up to college to see my kid, there is a place that makes fresh donuts and I walk in and I have one and I have the experience and then I walk out the door, right? So as long as you sort of put those red light foods out of immediate reach and you can enjoy a taste, you can have whatever you want. There's no reason to limit anything. Do you know what I've missed? What I've missed probably the most over the last couple of years, it's that deep connection, especially that deep connection that would happen over dinner, over a beautiful bottle of wine. So this year, personally, I have made a commitment to make my moments. And that is the tagline of my favorite winery, 1111 Wines. 1111 is a luxury brand and a female-run winery. 
They focus on connections, bringing people together, and just that essence of synchronicity. They believe in being present while you enjoy wine and food and company. And doesn't that sound so good right now? I love giving 1111 wine as a gift. It just hits in a really special way. When you get a box of 1111 wine on your doorstep, there is no person that I know that would be sad about that. I love doing this for holiday gifts, which guys, it's going to come upon us really fast. So, you know, get on top of that. Corporate gifts, or sometimes just celebrating your friends and loved ones. And, and people, reminder, you can get gifts for yourself. We can do things for ourselves. That's really important. There are 14 small production varietals in the wine portfolio. All of them I have tried and all of them I love. So today, don't wait. Go to 1111wines.com and get something special for yourself because it's time to make your moment. If I told you all the awards that Vintner's Daughter has won, we could be here for an hour. Glamour, bizarre, town and country, pop sugar. They say things like best beauty product, best skincare, best essence, best serum. And when you try this legendary duo, I think you're going to be a fan too. The active treatment essence and the active botanical serum have earned their spot at the table. I know I'm going to sound like the proud mom at the school play, but I have to tell you, there are some really important pieces to purchasing Vintner's Daughter. You know, all products don't come the same. There are certain companies that go that extra mile and Vintner's Daughter is one of them. It's not just about the product anymore. It's about what the company does. And this company is committed to their social impact. They are committed to sustainability. They are vegan. They are cruelty-free. This is a clean beauty product. There's no toxins in this product. It is carbon neutral. It has the highest classification that you can get for green certification, and they are on the cusp of becoming a B Corp. Guys, if you don't know what a B Corp is, you have to go see how incredibly hard it is to become a B Corp and the commitment that a company makes when they've reached that pinnacle. I believe in investing in things that make a difference, and Vintner's Daughter will make a difference in your skin, and they're also making a difference in the world. Vintner's Daughter believes in a fewer is better approach. When you go to their website, you're not going to see hundreds of products. You're going to see two. Go to vintnersdaughter.com today. That is V-I-N-T-N-E-R-S daughter.com. They offer two-day complimentary shipping and they have a subscription program where you will get your sixth bottle for free. You guys, you are going to thank me later. I feel like this moment is very serendipitous right now because I was actually channeling you the other day. So I have, guys, don't be sad. I've turned a little away from cookies for the, the just a brief moment in time. And it's only because the squirrel in me found something called fractals chocolates at Whole Foods. They are evil in the most beautiful way. They are one of the finest things that I've ever let pass my, my mouth. So I go there and I see them, I see them on the side and I'm like, Kelly, walk, 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 walk. And then I'm like, Nope. And I grab three boxes and I put them in my cart. I do this every single time. And I do the same cycle with myself that I get this reward at the end of the day. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you to coach me around this a little bit. I'm about to go and do a project where I'm going to, there's going to be a lot of pictures taken of me. Let me just put it that way. Okay. And so my vanity is at its highest peak that it could be where I'm like, Kelly, you got to do the thing or at least try a little bit. And then that's coupled with flow. Kelly, who's like, no, 
don't care. Like this is what it is. And I'm comfortable in it. It's the two worlds. Like you were saying before how those two worlds come together all the time. So the other day I'm thinking of you, I'm at whole foods. I walked into whole foods and I said, don't buy the fractals. I walk past them, buy three boxes, put them in the cart, walk away. And then I go into that. Is it like addictive brain thing where I'm starting to make excuses and I'm starting to come up with reasons why it's okay. (laughs) Created a habit. Okay. I've created a habit. That's what you've done. You've created a habit. Right. So when you're talking about this red light food, what, what would you say to me as a client who knows in a, in a situation where it wasn't going to be photographed a lot because my stress level is so incredibly high and I do eat very well, as you know, I'm a pretty good, I'm pretty high level in that department. I'd say that's also a habit of mine, but it's that one thing that I really love, but I know it's not going to help the old waistline. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> I'm trying so to channel I, my Jersey I would say in the supermarket. If you want, if you were like, look, I need to stop eating these. I want to stop eating these. Take a different route in the supermarket. Ugh, or go they moved them. Those a-holes. Okay. Yes. So now that I know where they're they in supermarket now. or get your groceries delivered or take a different uh, road just in the supermarket, even if you still pass it by going a different way, you're waking up your brain. So it is now moved. The getting of the chocolates have moved to the back of your brain where it's almost automatic. So there's, it's very hard to fight that. Yes. You have a super highway from, you know, whole foods to chocolate. That's what's happening. Right. And so you need to dig a brand new road, which is annoying because there's excavation and it's rocky and it's a mess and there's no, you know, asphalt yet. It's much bumpier. Uncomfortable. And uncomfortable. But you go and you, you go another direction and you try to build a new road. The other thing I would say is that um, there's a guy, Judd Brewer, who wrote a book called Cravings. He has a great TED talk. Um, And he talks about going ahead and actually indulging in what you're craving, but doing it mindfully. And you have the skill set to do this. So the idea is to think about a couple minutes before you have it. How am I feeling? Mm. How am I feeling right now and what's going on? Mm -hmm. And you go ahead and eat it and you really pay attention. You take slow bites, the flavor, the texture, the smell. You take the entire thing in. And then 15 minutes later, how do I feel? Did that solve the problem that I thought it was going to solve? Right. Did that make me feel rewarded for the day that I had? Or do I need to take self-care time in a different way? It's really getting into the crux of all of that. That's going to help wake up your brain to allow you to make better decisions. And that, as we know in flow... That's the finding section. It can't be passed over. I say this a lot. If you skip the F in flow, you're just low. You know, you can't just put a smile on and expect to be happy. It just doesn't work that way. The consciousness piece is, it is the secret sauce. It actually is a secret sauce. And you're, you're right. I mean, having this conversation, I will implement this tonight because the other part of these and I'm talking about this, hopefully, because it hopefully resonates with something that you guys are going through. So you can, you know, I'll, I'll be the guinea pig for all this. But that the, the sad part is if you, if you don't confront it at some point, I know exactly how I'll feel in the few weeks when I am getting my picture taken all, a lot. And I'll be like, man, Kelly, wow. You know, you bought all the new clothes and you did all the things and you just couldn't. And then you're right. And you're in a strange energy place at that point. So and it, it, you're adding on guilt and shame. Yeah, which is silly. Been a right. Success, right? So it's really a choice between skipping the chocolate in the moment and feeling the guilt and the shame later, which is such a difficult choice because the way our brains are wired, 
we want the immediate gratification and it's much harder for us to see what we're going to get in the way long term by doing something small, like saying no to one piece of chocolate. But there's a, a story that shows that if you have a plane in California, in LA, and you change the nose direction of it just by 3%, if it was supposed to end up in New York, it's going to end up in Boston. That's a huge change, For right? Smart. So yeah. we yeah. think about saying no to this one little piece of chocolate or this one little piece of pizza or making a tiny habit change as something so silly that it could never have a major impact. But over time, it really does. I mean, I know myself, I know you are walking examples of that. You know, there's the slow burn. Yeah. Does this feel like the Kilimanjaro, the cookie Kilimanjaro? Yes. But other things over time that have been affected by small habits repeated every single day in perpetuity, it really does. It really genuinely can change the whole thing. So if I'm going to turn the corner away from the kind of, you know, food focused, shame, whatever, when we get into the land of more self-acceptance, so that's that, okay, here's the other side of the coin. What if I eat all the chocolates and I get my picture taken? And that's just what I am. That's, that's what's happening versus getting there and feeling regret and shame. How do you confront that with clients when they're talking about, okay, so we did the thing. It, it happened. We, we, we are what we are, you know, and, and I would say I'm a healthy person with or without the chocolates, right? So that part of our brain, how do we cultivate more of that self-acceptance part? There's a couple things I want to say about this. The first one is that I think the diet culture and social media is doing this process a real disservice because on one hand, they're telling you no dairy, no soy, no gluten, no sugar. And look, I have a six pack, right? That's that's the one side of things. Then there's the just drink this tea and you'll have a six pack part of the equation. And then on the other side are now these intuitive eating proponents who are saying, you can eat Twinkies with abandon, don't worry about it and love yourself. And that's real black and white. And if you can't do any of those things, you immediately feel like a failure. And there's so much more nuance and there's so much individuality that is involved in those ideas that you can't look at something online and think, oh, I can do that too. You can't, you're not that person. What worked for that person is not going to work for you. Your lives are different. Your lifestyles are different. What's in your fridge is different, right? So I think there's a real disservice being done just in the general media, trying to get people to, you know, accept their bodies with with abandon and let them eat whatever they want. And then on the other side, having people starving. I, I just don't think that we've come into a good place where there's enough nuance and detail and we're not taking into account individuals. Having said that, if you are where you are and you make what you think is a bad decision, my response to that is that it's all fodder for growth, right? We're just collecting information. Life is an experiment. And when I'm working with you, you're my lab partner. We're like throwing spaghetti at the wall and we're going to see what sticks. And you may think, you know, and this happened to me. I had my own coach and I was all determined to like get super lean again. And I was going to limit my treats to like three days a week. And every week I had six and 
I realized after a while, well, like, hey, this ain't my thing. Like, you know, (laughs) I'm going to have to stick to the six treats or I'm going to make myself miserable because not only am I not doing that every week, but then I'm feeling guilt and shame on top of the fact that I'm not doing that every week. And where is the benefit in that? And because I'm not pre-diabetic, thank God, and I'm in a position where I'm making these choices, I had the luxury of being able to say, okay, screw it. I'm going to have these six and I'm going to be okay with it. And that's fine. And I'm going to accept what that does to me, what my, the consequences are of my body for doing that. I think that's exactly, that's exactly it. You know? And I think, again, it will come back to consciousness, I think. And something you kind of were pointing to before is when we do something that we believe is falling out of this cultural mandate to care. Yeah. Okay. This cultural mandate to you, you, you want, you should want to be this size and you should want it's complete crap. Okay. All of it is total and complete crap. Yep. But when we buy into that, I believe we kind of go unconscious and then we're making those choices in that unconscious place. Right. Cause like you said before, the big, big, big picture here is if we do eat something that isn't great for our body, forget about vanity or physicality. You don't feel good. Right. I mean, truly, I don't know anybody who feels good on a diet of things that aren't nutrient rich. Nobody does. So big picture is if we're coming from that consciousness place and that the key motivation is to feel good, you know, it's kind of like when you were saying, no, one thing's not going to fit everybody, but is there is there a basic blueprint? Yeah, there is, you know, feeling good, staying conscious and forgetting about the rest of it. Cause to your point, nuance is obviously one of the greatestly missed things in the world. I mean, half the stuff you'd see on social media just assumes that we're all exactly the same and hello folks. We're not, are there blueprints? Yes. I believe flow is a a blueprint. You're going to have to add your special sauce. That's just the recipe, but you might add some time and some oregano and I don't really know. And it's none of my business. Right. But those blueprints of feeling good, waking up to what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it. And, and that for me is an interesting, again, this is not a sales pitch, but I think this is an interesting thing that I got when I worked with you was is if I'm, if I'm waking up to it, that's pretty, it was kind of cool. You know, it's the things that I it's like, I thought I knew, but I didn't know. And it was something about that lab partner and that co-pilot sensation of just somebody going, um, yeah. So what's happening there? (laughs) You know, what's, what's going on with that. And I feel like you really, you provide that in that experience with you. Well, thank you. I mean, it really is just every quote unquote failure is just more information, right? So great. We know this doesn't work. So let's try something else, right? There's no reason to attach a judgment to it because that only sort of weighs us down and makes it more difficult for us to keep changing. We just need to kind of brush that aside and move on. However, you know, one of the things that comes up a lot with clients is that they have competing values. And I talked about this a couple of days ago, but you know, for somebody, for example, who wants to get a good night's sleep, but they stay up late binge watching Netflix with their husband, right? They, there's two values there, right? They want to have a good night's sleep, but they also want to spend quality time with their husband. Yeah. 
And it's not like they're doing this, even though they said they were going to go to bed early and they binge watch with their husband because they're a bad person or they have no willpower or they don't know what they're doing. They value their time with their husband. And that's a real thing. And that was a meaningful experience. Correct. So those are like yeah. real things that you have to reconcile and make choices over. And until you can dial down into what those values are and why you're doing these things and why they're working for you, what values are attached to the behaviors that you're doing, you're not going to get anywhere. So it's really important to be able to get to the bottom of that. You know, as we're talking about all this, you said something at some point about the time we take thinking about this, the time that we take, and I'm talking about that sort of whether it's the shame spiral or the vanity piece, but the time that we take, if you look at that like real estate, right? How much of it is spent in that strange shame container versus, and I think these were your words, what if we focused on bigger and better things? You know, if you look at it as real estate, what happens next? What do you say to people? And, and this is a two-part question. Do you think people are generally consumed with this conversation? Would you say this is a dominant interior conversation that most maybe women are having? I would a hundred percent. I mean, like you hear about dinner with a group of girls and watch them order from a menu and see. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, how much we talk about how it, much good, bad, or talk ugly. about it, what I ate, what I'm going to eat tomorrow, what I ate. And then I feel bad about, so I'm going to eat this tomorrow. Right. It's, it's constant. What shake do you use? What's your protein powder is collagen good for you. It's incessant. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I, and I worked with you as you worked with me. Right. And so when I could finally have the privilege of having a career that was mine and by my choice, you and I talked a lot about this, but I, I wanted to make a difference. And your idea of flow inspired the blueberry philosophy in that I wanted people to find love for themselves over worrying about this food crap because mm-hmm. it's just not worth it. Right. Right. And so the brain space that is consumed by this is so overwhelming for so many women that not only does it make it impossible for them to focus on other things, but it actually raises their cortisol levels, increases their stress level, and has the opposite effect of what they're looking for because now it's harder to lose weight and it's harder to get in shape because they're so consumed about it. There have been studies done that show that women who just think about calorie restriction and don't actually do it are still just as stressed as those people who restrict their calories. Wow. So, you know, this isn't a good headspace to be in. And the goal is to make the actions, the healthy actions that you're trying to accomplish automatic. We want to put them with things that are already occurring in your day, right? So I have this, you know, this thing where I ask my clients to do 10 squats or 10 pushups after they flush their toilet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that yeah. seems really silly, but how many times do you flush a toilet during the day? That can become an automatic habit. If you can't go to the gym that day, guess what? You've done 150 squats anyway, right? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of- us ladies, we pee a lot. Yeah, we pee all the time. I mean, I pee all the time. If I had to do that <laughs> before bed, I'd it'd be like a nightmare. 
So, you know, there's like these tiny little things that we can do that don't seem very disruptive to your life that actually can make a huge impact. Okay. There are, you do, you talk to people, you've got a few things that people can do to, you know, start this journey today, right? A little bit. You said one of them, Yep. um, which was the, and okay, I'm going to just add this caveat because I really want people to get this, or at least this is my intention and I know you, so I know it's yours too. This is not about six packs, weight loss, none of it. Um, It's about A, taking the time to remove this from being your dominant thought process. I think that's huge. It's B, feeling good. And for me, this is a big one. I want to feel good. I want to feel good longer. As I've gotten older, things just hurt more, you know, and you go back in time and you're like, oh man, yeah, somebody did say that I probably should have been lifting weights, but I ignored that. So, you know, we're kind of coming up from behind a little bit, at least I am in a lot of ways. And I really am taking this stuff to heart. I want to be with my grandkids someday and not feel like everything hurts all the time. So there's a big, for me, it's kind of like a long-term plan for me when I do those squats after going to the bathroom and I might be like 10 times a day is that I am truly focused right now in my life about what am I going to feel like in 20 years if I don't do something preventative about you know bone loss and muscle growth and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I just want to call out the intention of these things before we get into what they actually are. So tell us a little bit about the like what we can do to start now. Yeah. So definitely the flush habit. And you can make that anything. It doesn't have to be squats. It can be push-ups. It can be stretching. It can be an affirmation, right? To say that you look good. I'm reading Mel Robbins' book about the high five habits, mm-hmm. high fiving myself in the mirror. Um, so that's that's a great habit because you're definitely going to be flushing a toilet at some time during the day. So you will get that that's done. Uh, one of the other things I really like to recommend is to start the day with a five minute sit. So, so much of the struggle with weight and with food comes from not wanting to be in any discomfort. And so we push discomfort away in any way we can possibly think of. And a lot of times that ends up being food, right? So if you can, you know, I have a lot of clients who have two cups of coffee, including myself. So I have one cup of coffee and then I sit down for five minutes with zero distractions, no phone, nothing. I just sit there for five minutes and I watch my thoughts like a movie. And I just see what's going on in my brain. I don't have any judgment in it. There's no real meditation going on. So it doesn't seem intimidating, but you're going to want to get up, especially as a mom, right? You're going to want to get up and start doing stuff in the morning. And so there's a real discomfort with just sitting still for those five minutes. And if you can't do five minutes, do a minute, do 30 seconds, whatever, but just sit with that discomfort for a little bit. That helps you with all the other habits. Um, And then another one is to put your fork down in between bites. And that's a big one that I talk about all the time. Mm, So mm -hmm. even if you are eating processed food, that gives your brain time to recognize that you catch up. Right. Mm -hmm. And to catch up. Plus you're also, you know, savoring the things that you're eating, which is a, a bonus. And then finally, I like these things called BAMs, which are bare ass minimums. So come up with a couple things that you know you can do every day. Like for a lot of people, that's a hydration habit or it's amount of steps per day. And if everything goes to shit, you know you can still do those things, right? We want them to be so easy. They're almost laughable. 
Like, what would it be like? I will drink five because it can't include me maybe even leaving the house. Right. So right. If, that, if something came up where like I had uh, kids that were sick the other day, so there went my, my daily, you know, hike or whatever. Right. That's where you mean something that cannot change not no matter what. Okay. Right. Unless you just, all of a sudden your faucet doesn't work. Correct. Right. Some crazy nuclear disaster happens, but right. otherwise then we're all screwed. So screw it anyway. Right. I eat all the cookies. Because <laughs> the idea is that we want to not think of wellness as an on off switch. We want to think of it as a dial. And so these bare minimums keep you somewhere on the dial. You are doing something for your wellness that day, right? On the days where you can be a 10, be a freaking 10, right? If you got all day free and you're feeling energetic and you want to go run a marathon and eat kale, go do it. But if you have these minimums, then you're not saying, screw it. I had one cookie. The day's over. I'm just going to eat McDonald's. Like you're, you're kind of have these guardrails that keep you in place. So that's a really important foundation to establish when you're starting. One of the things that, and I talk about this a lot, so you probably have all heard it. When I was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos and there was a conversation about what could be possible with that diagnosis. And at this particular time, I really, I didn't have a lot of strength and it was really hard for me to do things. I just had a C-section and I was in a bad place and my movement journey. I know how, I know people think I'm so committed to it. And honestly, if I don't move all the joints, everything in my body kicks up, it's, I'm in so much more pain for me. It's truly a survival thing. I mean, if there's a vanity byproduct, fabulous, but that's not the goal. It's never the goal for me. It can't be anymore. But that time, even when I felt like there was nothing I could do. I could do something. And it was silly or it seemed silly to me at the time, but I would lift my arm up and down, you know, and then walk to the mailbox back and forth and then walk around the block. And that has turned into what is now minimum an hour. And, you know, barring something happening that I can't get out there, it's a non-negotiable. That happens every day. My world revolves around it. I don't schedule calls. I don't schedule meetings. If you would have said that that's where I would be, I would thought I would have thought you were insane. But somehow, the time I was able to make the time. You know, this is one of those things that we think this stuff is impossible. And you will talk about this a lot. It really is going to be in the tiny habits. And as as much as you think it doesn't mean anything in the moment, if you just begin, it's crazy how it shifts over time and becomes something that's just, you know, you don't even think about it. I don't even think about it. Yep. I mean, action is the only thing that causes change. The only thing that causes change is action. Our thoughts don't. Our thoughts don't. And, you know, there's all this stuff where if you've been on the internet for weeks on end, looking up diets and researching workout leggings and looking at people on social media, doing different things and you still haven't taken an action, just do something. Like you, Mm. move your arm up and down. Just do something. You can worry about the efficacy of those actions later, but for now, just move. I just heard some podcast the other day, and they were talking about disordered eating. And I know that we all know about anorexia, bulimia. There's another one where people have to have pristine food. Orthorexia. Orthorexia. Can you define, tell people what that is? So it's an obsession with clean food or eating clean or eating correctly. So, 
you know, it's a lot of like, I need non-GMO organic. I can't have, you know, anything processed. And then what happens? Will that person just not eat? Um, I mean, it depends. Everybody's different and it's, you know, beyond my scope to treat people with disorders. But from what I know, it's not that people won't eat. It's just that they will only eat certain things. And that window of what they will eat tends to get smaller and smaller and smaller Mm -hmm. until they are on like a very specific regimented path, which is also, you know, a real form of disordered eating. And if you look at those women with six packs, some of them are experiencing the same thing. They are bringing grilled chicken breast and string beans to their friend's house for dinner because they don't want to go off plan, right? So that is a real sign of trouble when you start obsessing so much that your social life is affected and you can't spend time with your friends or your family. You can't go out. You can't celebrate things because you're so worried about what you might consume. Well, in this conversation, and I'm going to, I don't know this exactly, but whoever defines these things, maybe it's the medical association or something like that said diets, just any diet is now considered disordered eating. And that makes complete and I don't know if that, I don't know if that's accurate information. I heard it in a a podcast, but it, but I, it stopped me for a minute because I went, Oh my gosh, that's wow. And like all of us, you know, I was born in the late seventies. We were weaned sure. on diet culture. Sure. I mean, that is all we know, right? We almost feel weird. Thank God. I, I didn't, I didn't get that. So for me, I will say somehow I managed to avoid that one, but wow. You know, I mean, the fact that they've now defined that as a disordered uh, experience is pretty profound. I agree. And I, I think we are making progress, right? I think for our mothers, you know, a lot of our mothers, the worst thing we could possibly be was overweight, right? It wasn't Mm -hmm. that you were a bad person or that you weren't smart. It was that you were overweight, right? And there was panic and kids being thrown into Weight Watchers and put on Fen Fen and all kinds of other stuff to make sure that they were thin and pretty because as women, that's what we were valued for. And I think we are making strides. We are being valued for so much more. And my nieces and this younger generation, they accept their bodies for exactly what they look like. And they're wearing whatever the hell that they want. And they are eating whatever they want. And they don't have the same issues with food. I see it everywhere. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I feel like, yes, the the tide is absolutely shifting. And frankly, it might be our generation that needs this love and attention the most. I think it is. I think it is. And especially because we were kind of brought into all of this by our parents. And now we have children that we need to model for. So we are right in the middle of something really crucial here, right? And the best way to model good eating behavior for your daughter or your son is not to go from one diet to the next every five weeks and bring in all this weird food to your house, right? It's to be able to really not address it and have people eat slowly until they're full and just live their life with a variety of healthy options in the home. This this is also going to sound like a humble brag, but I don't mean it this way because it's one of the things I love so much about my mother. That's, that was my mother. She did not talk about it. She did not discuss it. She never was, was disparaging about her body and it stayed with me. 
you know, it really stayed with me. And I've, I've listened, like Scott's mom had a lot of eating stuff. Like she would make everybody dinner and then she would sit down with like three cheese, you know, squares and a little, and a can of tuna. And I saw her doing that into her old age prior to her passing away where she would just have that, you know, it was so stuck in in her head. And I feel like when I think back on my childhood, the fact that I never heard that, I sometimes wonder if it's why I haven't struggled as much with, with, with my weight or anything, because there's been kind of a healthy relationship with it. Yes. Besides the cookies, but you know what I'm saying? And even what the cookies are doing or who cares, I don't think about it as much as I hear people talk about it. So I wonder, was that modeling part of the equation, you know, so that it didn't become such a dominant part of my thinking or my life is that, would you say that's probably true? I think that's absolutely true. And not only were people eating three squares of cheese, yeah, but that was when the advent of aerobics became a big thing, right? And so there was this manic need to exercise and all of that exercise was based on appearance. And what you said a little bit ago really struck me was that, you know, if there's a physical benefit to this, that's just gravy, right? If I'm walking and I get a physical benefit, fabulous. But if not, I need to do this for my health. And I really believe, and I tell my clients this, that your movement should never be tied to some physical result that you're looking for. Mm. It is a mm-hmm. recipe for disaster because- mm-hmm. Again, everybody's different. And so right. you running a marathon might have a change to your body that looks completely different than the person who is the same height and weight standing next to you. You right. cannot predict those things. It's so important to find a better why, right? I exercise like a crazy person because I love feeling strong. I love a good sweat and I want to be a better skier and a better golfer, right? That is mm. why I exercise. I'm not exercising to run off the food I ate. I'm not exercising to slim my thighs. None of that stuff comes into the equation. So that keeps me going because I'm not constantly looking in the mirror to see if uh, I lost an inch somewhere, right? So, you know, I think our mothers had all these messages that were so tied to eat for your physical appearance, exercise for your physical appearance, dress for your physical appearance, make the perfect package. And there's so much more to it than that. Have you ever heard the saying, health is wealth? Health is wealth. That saying never really resonated with me until the last couple of years. Until I realized that when you don't feel good, everything starts to fall apart. Everything becomes harder. Well, I have a solution for you. My friend and owner and creator of Blueberry Nutrition, Joanne Schell, who has already helped women across America to find self-love and reshape their lives through her healthy habits practice. Joanne creates custom programs for every single individual client. Her programs are based in behavioral science, and it will give each individual person a new playbook of healthy habits they can implement immediately. Here's the thing about Joe. Yeah, I said Joe instead of Joanne, because you'll call her Joe too, is that she is kind, she's clear, she's compassionate. You get all of this incredible information over the phone or Zoom. You don't even have to leave your house. So for me, my personal recommendation would be to do the online Nexus program. This can be used for just a quick attitude shift. And I love this idea of an attitude shift because a lot of these techniques and tools are all going to come from how we think. This is why it fits perfectly with our flow protocols. I know how this goes. 
As soon as the holidays come around, everything that you need or want is going to go onto the back burner. So if I were you, I would get on board, go to blueberry-nutrition.com and start this wellness journey for yourself today. You guys, we get to sign up. We can sign up today. You can buy a session and you are going to get 10% off when you use code FLOW, F-L-O-W. Again, that is blueberry hyphen or dash nutrition.com where you can sign up and start your journey today. I have a soft spot for Margaret Webb because she's a friend. She's a sponsor of Flow. And she's also a person who has helped me navigate complicated issues with my middle child. My middle child has severe anxiety and Margaret has helped me come up with tangible ways that I can ease his suffering as well as put more joy into our household overall. When your child is struggling from being on a different developmental timeline, it can feel very alone and isolating. Margaret currently has a self-guided class on her website called Parenting the Child You Didn't Expect. It's a really powerful course. It has 10 sessions inside of the course, and you can download it and you can do it on your own timeline. She's also offering Flow participants a free session. If you go to her website, Margaret Webb, that's two B's, MargaretWebLifeCoach.com, and you go to one-on-one sessions, click on it, and you will see an option for a free flow session. So if you've gone through the self-guided class and you want to keep doing more, I highly recommend reaching out. MargaretWebLifeCoach.com, and I promise you won't feel alone. If we could give people a final sort of gift here, how can I find my why? If it's not obvious to me, right. you know, like you said, mine was obvious to me. Mine was truly survive yeah. here, you know, uh, be able to pick up my child. Like it was kind of bare, bare bones and it's morphed into, I think a much stronger point of view for myself. Yours, like you said, you love to ski and that brings you so much joy. And so that's a good why for you. What if I'm having a hard time finding it? What's our, what's a good path forward? So there's, there's two things I would say. Um, I do an exercise with my clients called the five whys. And I think you do this too, actually. I do. Yeah. yeah. So you just kind of keep drilling down until you can find the root of the root. And you keep, you know, if you say, I want to lose weight to look better in your jeans. Well, why do you want to look better in your jeans? Can you do it with me? Yeah, should, we, do it. should we do one? Should we model let's one? do it. I would also say like, use your Kelly sense here, like feel it in your body, notice where you're feeling it. You know, you've done that body scan thing where, you know, that, you know, if, I mean, you did it with me, I know feeling it in my throat is bad and in my heart is good. So Mm -hmm. when you start going through this exercise, just pay attention to where you're feeling things, where it comes up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you want to use the cookies. You want to use the impending. Let's project. Yeah. Let's let, okay. Impending project. Okay. So why do you feel like you want to lose weight for this impending project? Guys, I'm going to be very vulnerable here. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to act like nobody's listening. Isn't that fun to do? Okay. Um, The first and embarrassing thing that came to my mind was vanity. You know, I, I haven't been um, out in the public a lot in a long time. And I feel like there'll be a huge comparison between what I appeared like a long time ago and what I look like now. And so you are worried about how you are perceived. Yes. Now, 
and that people will Correct. compare you to how you were perceived, what, 20 years ago? But, yeah, let's go with 10 years ago. Okay, 10 years ago. Okay. So why are you worried about that? I think it's just truly cultural pressure. I think it's probably even an old brain patterning from a time when I was, you know, I worked in media, uh, you know, paparazzi jumped out at us. Sometimes there was a big, I had a, a lot of like, Oh my God, what, what are people saying? I mean, there was a whole section of my life where when I wasn't pregnant, any picture put up of me, they'd be like, she's pregnant. And I wasn't pregnant. You know, that kind of stuff is coming back up when I think about being blasted out into the stratosphere. So you don't want to relive those bad feelings again. Correct. And it's all externally put upon you. At this point, yes. Okay. So what you're telling me is that you want to change your body because of external expectations. Does that sound right? Uh, As I cringe? Yes. Okay. And that might be okay, right? Like that actually might be an Mm -hmm. okay answer, especially for somebody who might be out in the public who hasn't been out in the public before. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why there are, you know, trainers and nutritionists for every actor and actress on the planet because they feel the way that you feel. Right. Right. So I would never judge that reason. Right. Mm -hmm. If we're Mm -hmm. doing a short term goal. So for you, what I might do is come up with a plan that's a little more restrictive. And I don't mean Mm -hmm. restrictive in terms of food, but like a little more hardcore knowing that it's temporary, explaining to you that it won't be forever, that we're going to do this for a finite period of time, and then tell you what that means for you. Mm. And then really ask you like, okay, Kelly, if we're going to do this, are you willing to not have those chocolates? Are you willing to not have a treat in bed at night? Are you willing to start lifting weights? Are you willing to like all of these things, right? And then the, the decision that you're making becomes clearer because you know what you have to give up. Well, and I sort of got something just then when you said that, which is that I have this, this urge to be like, but it's all bullshit, you know, like screw what people think of me and, and all that. And, and when we talk about this stuff, there is a time to go deep in the, that examination. It's kind of like when you're doing trauma work, you better sign up for an extended amount of time. If you go work with a trauma therapist, you're going to be there for a while. You know, it's not like a one, two, three, and you're out the door. So when you said that back to me, okay, this can be for this moment in time. This isn't the time to try to unpack the worthiness container, right? Maybe this is the time to adjust some habits so that you can feel confident that you can feel in your body that you're not preoccupied. Right. You know, with all those things, but then after let's put an asterisk on that right. about, right. Let's put an asterisk on the greater point of this, and, like, and not only after, but during. So dur- yes, while exactly. we're doing it, right. Conscious. You'd also be putting your fork down in between bites so that when what you eat falls to the wayside, the, how you eat, it has remained, right. And the why foundations of how and why you eat have remained, Right. Your, your flush habit may stay underneath there. Stress reduction habits may stay underneath there. So that once that, that crutch of structure comes away, you can just go on and live your life knowing that you might do it two or three pounds heavier than you were before you had a public moment, 
right? And and there's no judgment on my part, nor should there be on anybody's part for somebody who wants to look better and feel better, right? That is allowed. It's just that we don't want that feeling of looking better to be tied to worthiness. That's it. Right. And that, and so there we are with the two conversations, but that also permission to meet yourself where you are. A hundred percent. Permission to meet yourself where you are. We don't always have to be, you know, levitating on top of the mountain. I mean, sometimes we can just care if we can put the leather pants on, like it's okay to meet us where we are. And I like the sort of, you know, as a metaphor, the asterisk as a metaphor, are you kind of watching those little things so they don't end up taking the wheel? The idea is to sort of sneak your vegetables, like in a metaphoric way into that process. Right. So if somebody is looking to slim down, I'm like, all right, let's slim down. But like, I'm going to feed you this other stuff while you're not looking, right? I'm going to make sure that you're sleeping well and that- I'm going to feed you worthiness. I'm going to feed you love. Right. I'm going to feed you empowerment. And then there's going to come a day, just like that broccoli, and guys, this is true, where you crave broccoli. And there's going to come a day where you crave loving yourself and you crave just feeling damn good in that moment because you know that you are intrinsically worthy. Yeah. And it may be that you start down this road of self-beautification, so to speak. And after a while you veer off into the road of self-love, right? But Because they, they are in and of themselves sim- very similar. Yeah. And they can you coexist. Know, with, they can coexist. And in a lot of ways, I think you could use even if it's a vanity reason of wanting to change your body, you could use that as the opportunity moment to say, Hey, I can love myself more. Maybe I have permission to do things that make me feel good, like take a nap in the day. So I'm not eating cookies at night because I'm so tired, you know, whatever. I mean, they're all, they're kind of in the soup again you know, this is why I was so happy to come on because there's so much nuance here. And it cannot be just like explained in an Instagram post or on a website. It's really complicated. And we as women are really complicated. And we have all of these competing values and competing goals. And that's okay. You know, I look at it like a really tangled necklace. And we just have to start at the place that seems like the easiest to start unraveling, right? Like throw some baby powder on that shit and start pulling. Right. But let's do it in a place where it's like the easiest at first. I have my 30th reunion coming up. I'm having a heart attack myself. So, you know, we're like all in the same boat. (laughs) I can't believe you said about the the untangling the necklaces. I uh, am I'm packing for a trip and the last thing and I've been putting it off is this pile of necklaces that just needs my attention. Okay, if you get nothing else from this podcast, baby powder. Put baby powder okay, on there, it. I know. I've heard this. Thin. I've heard this. I'm going to do that. Um, Joe, you are just as lovely as you can be. And I love Philly Joe. I love Colorado Joe. I love all of it. Where can people find you? Uh, my website is blueberry-nutrition.com. And I'm on Instagram, but rarely these days at blueberry.nutrition. So, and, and you guys will have heard, you know, Joe is also a sponsor of the Flow podcast, although we were both very intentional about we just believe this is an important conversation. So this wasn't really about, about that. But if you need more information about Blueberry Nutrition, you can also find it on the emails that get sent out. If you're not signed up for that, go to flowbykellywolf.com. Sign up for those emails. They'll be in there. They're also going to be in these show notes on this podcast on whatever platform you've just listened to it. So please go check it out. Joe, for, for the last thing, you got to tell us your 
three M's, you know what they are. Yeah. So today I post laser peel, walked the dog twice. That was my, my move. And I lifted light weights downstairs because I'm not allowed to break out in a sweat. Uh, my munch, I have two anchor meals that I eat three actually every single day. So I had um, yogurt with berries, cinnamon, and almond butter for breakfast. I know that's your jam. And uh, for lunch, I had uh, two egg whites, a regular egg, a handful of raw vegetables, a cheese stick, and a couple crackers. And I am now about to go get my smoothie of protein powder, unsweetened almond milk, uh, half a banana, and a bunch of spinach. Uh, meditate. Uh, or did you couple that with your yes, walk? I did my five minute sit today. So I know we just said we were done, but I have to call this out. Anchor meals. Guys, I love to cook. I love food. And we can get stuck in the newness thing. You taught me this. You can get stuck in like, oh, but I've had that yet. No, it's okay. You can have you know four anchor meals. Like you just said, you know what they are. You always have the ingredients. They are always on hand. So you don't get stuck in that place where you didn't eat because there wasn't the opportunity for it, right? Or you were trying to think of something new. Love, love, love that. That should be a whole, you should put a post up or blog about that because that was kind of a game changer for me. Well, I'm glad it helped. I, uh, I think it's also a great way to reset if you feel like you had a quote unquote bad day of eating the day before. If your breakfast is the same every morning and you know it's healthy and good for you, it's like reset and you don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. And it's just simple. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. You guys don't forget to rate, review and subscribe if you are not already. And we will see you next week. Bye.